yeah, if, you, if you're joining us online, welcome. We're in the last week of Bible study. So glad you journeyed with us uh, for the first eight chapters of John. Uh, and we're diving in. Uh, just a few announcements. Uh, we do do an offering every week. It helps pay for the books. It helps pay for tech stuff. Um, so if you gave, your leaders should have little offering envelopes. Thanks so much. But there is no obligation to give. Bible study is free for everybody. So thanks for your generosity. Uh, if you haven't heard, which I'd be so sad if you hadn't, we are having a Christmas gathering called A Cozy Christmas. And it's going to be awesome. It's on Wednesday, December 7th. We are inviting you to wear your pajamas. Thank you, two people that said, woohoo. Um, I like wearing pajamas. Tanya likes wearing pajamas. Jill likes wearing pajamas. So we're like, well, if we're going to do this, let's actually be cozy and comfortable. So come. You can wear pajamas. You don't have to. Uh, we're just going to praise the Lord. We're going to celebrate Jesus' birthday. We're going to talk about the hope that we have in Christ. It's going to be awesome. Uh, two additional things. We're going to have a pop-up store. Mercy Street Pop-Up Store is going to come in. They have a lot of things that look like anthropology, uh, and all of it goes to ministry for the incarcerated. So all of the proceeds, everything that you buy will go to them. So if you want to do a little early Christmas shopping, the store will be open before and after the gathering, uh, which is going to be awesome. And we're also doing a pajama drive for Hope Gardens. You guys have been so amazing. We almost reached our capacity and we still have a month to go. So we just added another facility. We were like only a few away from completing it and we still have a month and a lot of women that want to donate. So we're adopting another center and we're going to bless those women and those children. Mm -hmm. Yes, 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 yes. So thank you for your generosity. Um, if you do want to donate, um, you just have to go online, and there's a list of sizes that we need for specific children, women, ages, genders, all the stuff is in there. So we ask that you just sign up for a specific size so a human that we love and know gets that pajama. So thank you so much for your generosity. We're on track for that, which is awesome. Um, I want to give you a special announcement coming up. Uh, we are going to have a women's conference March 24th and 25th. Um, so many of you have asked about retreat. Uh, CA loves retreat. It's what we do. It's who we are. Unfortunately, the center that we did retreats at for the last 10, 15 years was sold during COVID. And so our staff, our management team has been looking for a place since we found that out in 2020. So for two years, we have been praying. So I just want you to hear, it's not that we don't like retreat. We just currently can't find a place for all of us to go. So I want to invite you to pray with us that the Lord would open a spot for us to be able to go away on retreat. But we're not going to let that stop us. In the meantime, we're doing a conference. It's going to be awesome. Friday night, Saturday, uh, we're going to gather. Last, last year, I think we had 648 women over the two days. Uh, it's powerful. So if you want to invite a friend, mark it on your calendar. Uh, the Lord is moving and doing good work. So put that on your calendar. That's coming up in March in the new year. And like I already said, uh, this is our last day of women's Bible study, but we're not done. We're going back in the new year. So we have a winter session and a spring session. And the cool thing about this year is we have 21 weeks total. So we're going to hit every single chapter of John. So if you want to read ahead in the off season, great, go for it. Otherwise, we're going to jump back in. Winter session starts January 17th and 18th, and we'll be right on John 9. So we won't miss a beat. So uh, if this is your first day, um, we're going to be starting up again. Don't worry. Uh, but mark your calendar so you don't actually show up here next week and think, why is no one here to greet me? Because uh, we are going to be on a little break for a little while. So all that being said, welcome. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you are the God who sets us free. Lord, I think of what women came in here carrying today, God, the lies that might have bound them, Father, the judgment, the shame, things that have been put on them by the enemy and not by you, Father. And so today we pray, Jesus, in your holiness and your power that the Holy Spirit would come and set us free. 
Lord, would you do whatever you want to do in this space? This time is yours. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Um, have you guys ever played the game Two Truths and a Lie? I feel like they do it at all the like conferences and stuff. It's like kind of a get to know you. So we're gonna play this morning. I'm gonna be the object. So you just think of what is the truth. I'm gonna tell two truths and a lie. The first one is, you have to guess which one at the end. So the first one is, I fell off a chairlift and bruised my tailbone. Two, I slid into a base in softball and broke my leg. Three, I was on a roller coaster and the automatic seatbelt came undone. Now, which, which, which of those, which one do you think is a lie? Raise your hand if you think I didn't fall off a chairlift, if that's a lie. Raise your hand if you didn't think I broke my leg sliding into a plate. And raise your hand if you didn't think my seatbelt came off in a roller coaster. The correct answer is B. I did not break my leg sliding into a base because I don't slide. I'll just say I was never good at softball. <laughs> now, the reason I wanted to play that game with you, not to just say that I've survived my seatbelt coming off, it was in the Graviton ride and my seatbelt came off and I just put all fours out and I survived. And I did fall off a chairlift on accident. I, I was with my sister and the seat caught me and I had slippery snow pants on and I held on and I couldn't pull myself up. So we got higher and higher. My sister's like, Coley, the higher you get, the, f the harder the fall, just drop. So I was about 15 feet up and I just dropped. And I landed in a snow pile, didn't break anything. So just hurt my tailbone a little bit. But anyways, why did we play that game? Sometimes it can be really hard to distinguish between what is true and what is a lie but the difference of life and death can lie in that truth or that lie. I went to a wedding this past weekend. I was talking to a girlfriend and she just got married too. And so we were sharing notes of like, what has it been like to be married? And she's like, well, it's a lot of surprises. I'm like, okay, yeah, totally. Tell me one of yours. And she's like, well, early in my marriage, like week two, I discovered that my husband does laundry once a month. Just saves all that laundry and just shoves it all in the machine and washes us at once. And so she said, we've had to do a little training in my house. I have to teach him to separate the laundries. We don't do it every month. We do it every week. Uh, but we're just laughing at the things that we don't know. But what I loved about that illustration is we've all had the experience of washing things together, right? Right? As, or just me? Like you throw in the white tank top and then the pink sweater bleeds and you don't have a white tank top anymore. What I loved about this illustration is that when all the clothes are together, if we don't separate them, they all become the same, right? They all bleed into each other. And when the problem is in our lives, when we don't separate what is true from what is false, we start to just live in all of it. All the dirt, just all the lies just bleed into the truth. And that crisp white shirt that you wanted to wear underneath something is no longer because it's been infiltrated with lies. Jesus is a God of truth and truth sets us free. So it is important for us in our lives to determine what is true and what is not. And the thing is we have a God who loves truth, whose truth sets us free, who wants us to know the truth. And we have an enemy whose entire job is to lie to us so that we're not set free. So there is a real battle going on for what is true and what is lies. And so today we're gonna read John 8 and I want us to dig into four truths I believe Jesus sets before us that can set us free. So we're gonna dive in. We're gonna start with John 8 starting in verse two. 
It says, early in the morning, Jesus came again to the temple. All the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and placing her in the midst, they said to him, teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such woman. So what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground, and as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. And when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. The first truth that we see today, if you're taking notes, is we do not condemn others. We do not condemn others. Jill talked about last week in her sermon this concept of judging others, and judging meaning discerning the moral behavior of our neighbor. And that, when we're living in truth, we don't want our sisters to be living in sin. If my friend comes to me and says, hey, I'm having an affair, I don't judge her. I say in truth, let's walk you out of that. Let's walk towards truth. That's not God's best for you. How do I get you out of that sin that's gonna destroy your marriage? So we judge in the sense that we hold moral grounds for behavior, but I do not judge my friend. I do not place a label on her. I do not condemn her. I don't say you're going to hell, sucks to be you. We don't have that authority. (laughs) Some of you know this is real. The problem is so often in our culture, we can get caught up in judging others and how we think they should be treated based on what they've done. And that is not something the Lord asks us to do. And that's not something the Lord encourages us to do. What I love about this passage is um, in, so there's a lot of different theories about what Jesus was writing in the sand. And the thing about the Bible is sometimes we don't know. He doesn't lay it out for us completely. And there was thoughts that maybe Jesus started writing the law to show them, yeah, I do know the law, or to prove that he is a teacher. But one commentator made the suggestion that I'll float for you just as a suggestion and a hypothesis to consider is that when Jesus bent over to write in the sand, what he wrote was the sins of each of the Pharisees there. None of us are without sin, none of us. And so when we judge another, we're putting ourselves above them. We're looking down on them, we're judging them. And God says, no, no, I don't, I don't ask you to condemn anybody, that's not your job. But the problem is, I think, what I notice about the world is women in particular, we can get a little judgy or condemny about others. And I think, my hypothesis, is that it's happened since the beginning of the world when Adam and Eve were in the garden and Adam said, she did it, she was the one that gave it to me, it's her fault. And ever since then, women have kind of been in that position of casting judgment. I bet you if I went around and asked each one of you, you have all been judged by someone and probably a woman in your life. And this is where Jesus says, uh-uh, this is, it has to stop here. We don't, we don't judge and condemn others. We can bring their actions to the light to set them free, but we don't place labels on them. We don't look down on people. We don't condemn them in our hearts and say, 
oh, I can't believe she's doing that. She's the I'm not gonna be friends with her. I'm cutting off relationship. We don't get to do that. None of us are without sin. All of us are broken before the Lord. And now the reason that they brought the woman was to test Jesus. In the law, the man and woman caught in adultery were supposed to be brought and stoned. It was supposed to be both of them. But in this case, they only brought the women. And we don't know why. Uh, some people think maybe that she was, whoever she was sleeping with might have been one of the Pharisees or a man in power that they were trying to protect. We don't know. Again, these are things that we speculate. We don't know. We'll find out in heaven. But there's so many things about the Bible that we have to consider. But they brought her and they were testing Jesus because the role Roman law said that if anybody breaks the sin, they have to go to Rome. So they were testing Jesus to say, if Jesus gave the permission to stone her, they were going to go to Rome and say, Jesus usurped your orders. He ordered a death without the Roman officials. But the Sanhedrin, they were sneaky. They wanted to keep their little laws in their law. So if Jesus would have said, don't stone her, they would have ran to the Sanhedrin and say, Jesus doesn't obey our law. He's breaking our Jewish code. So they just wanted to trap him. And I think judgment is exactly that. It traps us. When you and I start judging others, we get trapped. We get trapped in either bitterness or pride or self-righteousness. And we can be stubborn little creatures when we start judging other, especially other women. When we cast judgment and look down on someone and think, you did this, you deserve this, we all deserve death. That's the beauty of the Bible is that sin is deserving of death, but God in his goodness came and forgave us and redeemed us and he encourages his people to go and do likewise. So I wonder today, is there anybody in your heart that you've condemned? Anybody that you've placed a judgment on, that you've written over an identity on him or her that God did not give them? Part of living in truth is being set free from that. God does not want us to be judge of others because really it just puts us in a position to always monitor that person's behavior and always make sure that we're right and we can get you know, manipulative and controlling and get really self-righteous about how good we are and they're bad. God doesn't want that for our heart. Where do you need to release condemnation over somebody else? Romans 8, 1 says, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So when we come to Jesus, we receive forgiveness forgiveness for our sins, like the woman caught in adultery. Jesus forgives her and says, go and repent. Change the behavior, but I love you. I never stopped loving you. We love people through their bad behavior, and we work to correct the behavior. We don't work to change them and say that they're bad or they're condemned or they're wrong. We focus on the behavior. And you know this with kids. If your kid makes a mistake, you don't think your kid's awful. You think their behavior was bad. We have to separate behavior and people. We're called to love people, and we're called to help others live in truth. Where do you need to confess or let go of a judgment or a condemnation you have laid on another person that Jesus says, that's not your job, that's God's job. Moving on, uh, John 8, 12 through 18 says this, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him, here you are, appearing as your own witness, your testimony's not valid. Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I came from and where I'm going, but you have no idea where I come from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one, but if I do judge, my decisions are true because I'm not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me, and your own law it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. So the second truth that we see today is all of our authority comes from Jesus. 
Jesus is the only one who's able to testify about himself. If any of us were going to, into the court of law and we're testifying about ourselves, I didn't do it, I'm the witness, I said it. It wouldn't, it wouldn't hold up. Only Jesus has the authority to do that because he has the power of God in heaven. So all of our authority has to come from Jesus. This is important because when you and I start acting in our own authority, when we start taking control of things or thinking that we have the power to fix something, or I'm gonna do this, or I have the, I'm my own person, I'll do whatever, we don't live in accordance with God's truth. We don't live in accordance with his power. Our authority as believers comes from what Jesus did on the cross. So we're followers of Jesus. We follow Jesus' authority. We don't step out and take authority over things we don't have authority from. We rely on the testimony of him who was sent from God. And as believers, we inherit his authority. And this is what Jesus says about his authority. Matthew 28, 18 says, Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, this is what our authority is, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We have Jesus on our team when we're on mission with him. Jesus has given us authority in the power of the Holy Spirit to do the things he did. So when we step out of line, when we start taking authority over things we have no authority, we start controlling our kids, start controlling our workplaces, start trying to figure out our life and our own power and our own strength, it just doesn't get us very far. When we acknowledge that our power comes from Jesus and the Holy Spirit that he gives us, that aligns us with truth and that sets the power of the Holy Spirit free. And so I wonder right now today, where are you trying to operate in your own strength? Where are you trying to manpower through a situation or claim something or do something or make it happen on your own authority? Friends, we don't have that much power. And I'm not disempowering women. I think women are boss. I think they're awesome. I think God made us fearfully and wonderfully and we're able to do amazing things. But when we don't do them with the Holy Spirit, when we don't do them with the authority of Jesus, we can get off on our own ledge. We can get lost really far astray and we can wander from the flock. Where are you trying to control or make something happen in your own power that you need to invite Jesus's authority into? Jesus says you will do even greater things Things than I. God wants you to be on his team. God wants you to access the power of the Holy Spirit to do the things that Jesus did, to make disciples, to baptize them, to heal the sick. He has those plans for us, but we cannot do them in our own theology, in our own flesh, in our own trying. We need the authority of Jesus. Where do you need to go to Jesus and say, remind me of the authority I have to do this because I need your help in this. I can't do this. This situation seems impossible. This relationships is, I don't know how to fix it, but you've given me authority to love like Jesus, to love where there's hate, to love where there's violence. That's the authority that Jesus gives us. Where do you need the authority of Jesus in your life this week? Or do you need to invite him in and say, Jesus, you need to part the sea because I cannot part it. I've been trying to push the waters back and nothing's going, it keeps flowing. Where do you need Jesus to do something that you can't do? Invite him to be the author over that challenge. Moving on. We're gonna go to John 8, 31, which is one of my favorite passages in all of the Bible. It says, so Jesus said to the Jew Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. 
they answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are the offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. The truth will set you free. That's the third truth we see today. When you know the truth, it will set you free. A lot of us spend a lot of time looking for freedom in other places. And a lot of us spend a lot of time trying to set ourselves free by our actions, behavior modifications. Jesus says, I am the truth. I am the light. I am the way. The truth will set you free. If you've ever had um, an accident or an injury, like if you ever scraped anything, you know that if any little piece of rock or stubble or anything gets in there, you cannot heal completely, right? And the problem is so often you and I try to set ourselves free by trying to hide what's been inside of us, right? We try to just protect it. We're like, I'll figure it out on my own. I don't want God to deal with it. I don't want him to look at it. Jesus says the truth will set you free. One of the greatest lies of the enemy is that he gets us to think that whatever we've done, whatever mistakes we've made, whatever sin has been in our life, that if we brought it to the surface, it would destroy us, right? That's one of the lies of the enemy. If you had an affair, if it came out, all your friends and family would leave you. If you've ever stolen, if anybody knew, you'd lose your job, you'd lose, all, you'd lose all your reputation. The enemy preys upon our fear. And so what we do as humans is we have a sin, we, we screw up, we make a mistake, and we try so, so, so hard to cover it up. We spend our whole life trying to stuff down what we've done. Because if anyone finds out, maybe they won't love us, maybe we won't be worthy. And so we spend all this time covering ourselves in shame, hiding from others, praying that no one ever finds out what we did. What would they think of us if they knew? Jesus says the truth will set you free. And here's the problem, ladies, and I think it's so true in everyone, but I think women, I think we're more susceptible to it. When we make a mistake, we swallow that mistake hard and we think that we're able to cover it up. But what happens is we swallow it and it gets into our heart and it wreaks havoc inside of us. It keeps grinding out and we feel worse and worse about ourselves and we live further in lies and we cover up more and we isolate more and we feel more shame. And on the, on the surface, we can act like everything's great and I've got it all figured out. But our insides die when we're not honest about our sin, about our mistakes. And the thing I love about Jesus is he's so, so, so tender. He says, come to me and confess and I will forgive you. Jesus is not a God who wants to condemn you or judge you or slap a label on you. You've already been labeled since your birth is beloved. Jesus wants to set you free. Have you ever seen a child who does something wrong and how hard they try to cover it up? My little niece spilled something once at my parents' cottage and she, oh my goodness, she tried all of her little toys to soak it up and stuff. She just didn't want us to know. She didn't want to get in trouble. And as an auntie, I'm thinking like, it's okay, you spilled, it's not a big deal, but she felt so bad and she didn't want to get in trouble. And so she hid it and she kind of like moved her stuffed animals around and stuff. So we found all these wet stuffed animals later, like, what is this? And she was so, she was like, felt like she was caught in a death trap. She's like, ah, uh, uh, I, I spilled. And we're like, oh honey, it's okay. 
that's okay. We all, we all make mistakes. We all spill. That's how Jesus feels about our sin. Jesus says, I, kn- I know what you've done. I know where you've messed up. I know where you've chased other things. I know, I know about the addiction. I know about the, the lie that you told. I know about the sexual immorality. I know about the drug use. I know about your alcoholism. I know about the lie that you told your family. I know, I know about the abortion. I know all of these things. Why are you trying to hide them from me? Going back to the illustration of the gravel, sometimes when we get something caught in us and we don't clean out the wound, it just gets further and further and further infected. And so when we try to cover our sin, when we're not honest with Jesus, when we're not honest with ourselves, that little thing infects us. And Jesus says, I don't want that infection to be all over you. I don't want you to be identified by your sin. That's not how I see you. What truth do you need to own up to today? What truth do you need to confess to Jesus? What have you buried so deep inside of you that inside of you it's become your identity? It's become who you are. It's become how you think about yourself, how you feel about yourself. How much are you trying to hide stuff that if you think anybody knew, they would judge you for? Jesus says, when you confess, I am faithful and just to forgive and I will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Ladies, some of us need to be cleaned out today. Some of us have lies. Some of us have judgments from others that have permeated into our being and without us even knowing it, it's become our identity. It's become how we think about ourselves. So when God, someone teaches you about God's love, that shame rises up in you and says, oh, that's not for me. No, 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 if you knew, if you knew what was in here, you, mm-mm. Jesus says, I came to set you free. The truth will set you free. Self-help programs, behavior modification, you trying to work your way out of it, doesn't set you free. My help for a little bit, doesn't set you free. Jesus has the keys to freedom and he invites all into it. Where do you need Jesus to set you free? What do you need to confess? What do you need to bring out of you that has been buried and has allowed Satan to spin a lie around it? And you guys, Satan, if you don't know this, is the master of lies. And so what he does is he gets our little mistake, our little sin, which Jesus has already told us he went to the cross to die for. We swallow them and he builds this web of fear and shame. And the longer it sits there, the worse it gets. And I, I've lived with sin. I know how this works. The longer we sit on it, the more impossible it seems to ever tell anybody. We think we're hopeless. We think we're beyond repair. If anybody knew, oh, it's been 20 years now, I could never. Jesus says, come to me. I want the lies out of you. They're hurting you. They're killing your insides. They're wounding your soul. That's not who you are. Let's get the lies out so the truth can set you free. What truth do you need to enter into? What have you been hiding? What have you been sitting on? What have you swallowed as your own fault? God never meant for us to live with the shame of sin. That's why he went to the cross, so that we could be forgiven and washed free. Friends, Jesus has an invitation for us today to let him rule and reign. If you've ever confessed your sins, there is nothing more terrifying leading up to it when you think you could lose everything and there's nothing more freeing than getting to the other side because there's lightness there's I'm not carrying anything I'm not hiding anything I don't need to prove anything to anybody Jesus loves me not for what I do but because he made me in his image that's our truest identity not what people have spoken over me not what I've done not what I've allowed others to think or feel not our feelings 
Our feelings are not true. I know that might sound crazy to some people, but how we feel about ourselves and others, that's not truth, it's just a feeling. God wants us to be defined by truth and not feelings. So what would God be inviting you into? What would he allow you to lay at his feet so he can race it from you, so he can cross it off your path, he can remove it as far as the east is from the west. That's what God wants to do. And God wants to place your true identity in you, that you are loved, that you're forgiven, that you're a child of God, that you're known, that you're valued, that you have infinite worth. Here's the problem with the whole wash cycle. When we believe half-truths, we miss, we miss the goodness that God has for us. I had an experience uh, a few weeks ago. I saw a picture of myself and it was very, I didn't like the way I looked. And the spirit of self-hatred came over me. And more powerfully than I thought, I started crying. I started thinking, oh my gosh, I look so awful. And I, I went on this spiral. And the problem is when we don't discern truth from lies, we can get stuck it would, whatever it is, a spirit of self-hatred, spirit of self-doubt, spirit of self-loathing, we can get stuck if we don't know the truth. And that's why God says, the truth will set you free. And so after I was processing about it and I was praying about it, I'm like, why was I so upset about that? I felt the Lord say, that wasn't you. That was a spirit of judgment or condemnation. You know who you are. You're my child. I love you. Not based on how you look, not based on how others think you look, but who I, ma I made you in my image. I don't care what it looks like, it's perfect because you're mine. If we don't know that truth, we can get caught up in all the lies of the world. I'm too big, I'm too small, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not smart enough, whatever it is. If we don't know the truth, we have no firm place to stand and Satan gets in and we feel crappy about ourselves. God doesn't feel crappy about you. God made you fearfully and wonderfully and beautifully and perfectly in his image and he wants us to know that truth so we can walk in that truth and we can speak that truth to others. Some of our girlfriends are really struggling in all the areas, how they look, how they parent, how their relationship is. When you know truth and you say, I am founded in the love of Jesus, you get to go and empower other women. But when we live in lies, we can breed lies to others too. Oh, I'm so bad at that. Oh yeah, we're all really, we're all awful at that. We're all doomed. Friends, make it your mission to know God's truth about you, to confess what you need to confess and to receive the truth of who you actually are so you don't pass on lies to others and so you don't get stuck living in lies. The last little truth we're gonna read about today comes from John 8, 54. Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him, I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, you're not yet 50 years old and you've seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. The fourth truth is Jesus is the great I am. Jesus is the great I am. When we know Jesus, we can know ourselves more fully, more truthfully. We cannot know the truth about ourselves apart from Jesus. He is the one that sets us free. He is our redeemer. He is the one who speaks the truth. Looking to Jesus, knowing that he is the great I am, gives us the power, the truth, and the freedom to be who we are. 
We are his children. We are forgiven. We are redeemed. We are being reconciled in this earth to each other through the power of Jesus. Jesus is the great I am. And so when we follow him, we get adopted into his tribe. It's like getting the keys to the castle and being told, oh yeah, Jesus has a room for you. You've got the penthouse suite overlooking the Riviera. That's what it's like to be Jesus' daughter. We have access to things we would never have access to in our own power, by our own authority, by our own identity. So I want to invite Amy to come up. She's going to play a little beautiful music in the background because she's so amazingly talented. Um, But what I want us to do is I want us to do a little bit of reflection time of hearing from the Lord, of asking him, It's a few questions, and I want you to just pay attention to whatever bubbles up inside of you. You don't need to judge it. You don't need to say, that's that's me, that's not God. I just want you to let some thoughts flow over you of how Jesus might want to be speaking to you and the Holy Spirit today, because I do believe that Jesus' mission is to set us free from the lies that Satan wants to trap us in. So Lord Jesus, you can close your eyes and get comfy. Lord Jesus, we invite you right now, the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, who is our internal flashlight, who is leading us into all truth. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we ask you right now in our spirits, in our souls, what truth do you want me to know? what truth am I too afraid to see? What do you want to show me? Spirit, will you show us right now if there is anyone that we have judged or condemned in our hearts, Lord? Would you show us that person's name or face right now, Lord? And we repent. We release them, God, to your judgment. Reveal to us, God, where we've hidden judgments of others.
Holy Spirit, we invite you to show us if there's an area of our lives where we've been operating in our own authority. Will you show us that area, God? Will you reveal where we've been trying to do things in our own strength? And would you show us, God, what it looks like to use your authority, to enter your power, to enter your forgiveness? Would you show us what that looks like in our life? Spirit just illuminate for us if there's any lies that we've believed about ourselves. Would you reveal those in truth right now? power and authority that you've given us by your blood. We reject the lies of the enemy that have come up against us, Lord, either spoken over us or internalized by us. Any shame, any fear, any condemnation that's come against us, Lord Jesus, we reject right now and we replace with it the truth that we are your children, Father. We are forgiven. We are co-heirs with Christ, Father. We are your ambassadors, Father. We've been set free. Who the Son has set free is free indeed, Lord. So I pray for freedom. I pray for truth. I pray for peace. I pray for joy. I pray for identity that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, that the King is enthralled with our beauty, Father. Would we receive the truth about who we are, Father? That we are made new in Jesus Christ, Father. That we are not who we were. That you're doing a new thing in us, Father. That you see us as co-heirs in Christ. That we have the mind of Christ, Father. We invite you right now to replace any lie that we believed with truth, God. Truth from your word. Truth about who we are in you, Jesus. We are saved by grace because of the blood of Jesus. So if you're sitting next to a woman, would you put your hand on her shoulder? If not, just extend your hand forward her. God, we... Father, we pray for the woman on our right and on our left, Father. You alone know her situation, God. You alone know the lies she's lived and the, the lies that have been spoken over her, God. We pray that the truth would set her free. Father, we pray for our sister on our right and on our left. God, we pray for everybody who's watching online, Father, right now, that you would set her free by the blood of Jesus, Father. We are redeemed because of what Jesus has done. We are not our sin. We are not our past, God, but you've given us new life in Jesus Christ, God. Would you apply that life to our sister right now? Lord Jesus, we thank you that you 
are the great I am. We worship you and you alone, Father. So would you seal the Holy Spirit in us, God? Would you seal the truth that you planted in us today, Father? And will we walk in that truth into your goodness for your glory, for your purposes, Father? In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Good job, you guys. Friends, the truth has set you free, and so go and live in freedom with your sisters, setting them free in truth, too. Thank you for joining us for Bible study, praying for you as you meet with your groups, and we will see you in pajamas on December 7th.